the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello, welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio. Rodeo. Welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Donnie Mosier. Heather is not here today. Um, Heather was, again, kidnapped by aliens, it seems like. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but they were going to try and transplant a soul into her body uh, while they probe her before they bring her back. So we're going to see what happens there. I'll see if I can get updates uh, in our breaks. We're here for the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program. It's a unique detox for substance use disorder. They're located inside St. Joseph's Hospital in downtown Houston in the H. They are a 10 to 14 day detox followed up with a 24 month, two Oh, sorry, 24 month of free aftercare and recovery coaching. I'm having to read this because, you know, Heather does this every week um, and I don't read good, evidently. If you or a loved one would like any information about our detox and recovery support program, please give Matthews Hope a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That is 844-263-4673. Or you can visit their website at www.mhdrp.org. As usual, you're listening to us on Sundays at 1 p.m. Central in Houston on KPRC 950. You can listen to us if you're outside of Houston on the iHeartRadio app. Um, Relevant Recovery Radio has a channel, as well as KPRC 950 has a channel. So if you want to listen to us 1 p.m. Central on Sunday, you don't live in Houston, go to the iHeartRadio app, look up KPRC 950. They do upload our shows um, late Sunday, and you can uh, listen to any of our shows if you have nothing better to do with your life. I don't recommend it. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And here's what I'd like. Here's your homework. If you're listening to this episode... I'd like you to go to Facebook, find Relevant Recovery Radio, and just shoot Heather uh, some sort of a message that's really dumb, something that's really stupid that's going to waste her time reading it. Like, Just see if she actually reads it, see if she responds. I I don't know if she does, but I want to see if she does. Uh, Anyway, she is out this week. Um, we hope she's returned soon. Uh, typically when she's kidnapped, she's brought back within three days. Um, that's what history has shown. So she'll be back. I'm pretty excited this week. Um, we have somebody in studio who has been a very dear friend of mine since literally the first week of my sobriety. Um, we met each other the, within the first week of my sobriety and we just sort of clicked and we've been friends ever since. So I would like to uh, introduce my audience to Matt. Thanks for having me on, Donnie. Yes, Matt. So um, when I got sober, I was really lucky that I fell into a fellowship on the west side of Houston that did the deal, right? It was the whole deal. It was it was good meetings. It was, hey, are you, you got a sponsor? Are you working the steps? It's, hey, we're going to dinner afterwards. 
well, I, 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 yeah, cool. We'll see you at Denny's, right? And it was, it was not really a question. It was a requirement. Um, and Matt has a wonderful story. So today what we're going to talk about is just sort of his journey, his journey through sobriety. Matt got sober young, uh, went through some trials and tribulations and, and, and found sobriety again and has had just a miraculous life. Uh, get us started in it. Let's let's. We're not going to be able to finish it in this this segment, but let's get started in it. Well, first off, thanks for having me on, Donnie. Um, you know, I was just thinking about that time, like when we all first got sober, and just, I mean, there was something magical about that, right? There was a small group of us, and somehow we all ended up hanging out together and sitting at Denny's till three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you know, discussing probably stuff that somewhat wasn't relevant, but. We were yeah. just trying to figure this thing out, and we just all were kind of the blind leading the blind, and um, there's just something special about that, and I think it happens in recovery. I, mm-hmm. mean, I, I think that when the there's a saying that when the student is ready, the teacher appears, and that's yeah. kind of how this thing manifests, right? It just it, it happens in spite of us, not necessarily because of us, um, and that's that that's kind of been the whole deal, right? Is that like when we when we become willing. The universe kind of conspires to make it happen. Right? Yeah. And there was just this small group of guys that were all just lost and struggling. And we would just hang on to each other, kind of, you know yeah. what I mean? And we all ended up, I mean, I of that group, I think almost all of them are still sober today. Yep. I mean, that's, that's yep. the crazy thing. And our lives have all taken us in different directions and, um, but they've all been positive directions, right? Like, yep. like everybody's just kind of found their own path in life. Um, Except for what's his name? You know who you are. You know who you are. Yeah, that you, one guy. You're straying a little bit, but he, we're watching. I mean, you. he could give a woodpecker a headache. You I know. Mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so I got sober at 16. Um, was now why did you get sober at 16? That's early, right? I mean, relatively, yeah. Um, I hear you drove well. Well, I did. I, I had a DWI. So I got a DWI. I fell asleep driving, <laughs> passed out, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, the, the cops showed up and I still had a paper driver's license because <laughs> back then they didn't print them right away. You know what I mean? So I just uh, had this piece of paper that said I had a driver's license. There's this pink piece of paper and the cop was like, I've had a license for like two weeks, man. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Doing the best I can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so when you're young and you're in trouble, people throw a lot of help at you. You know, yeah. I spent my 13th birthday with alcohol poisoning. Like, I was just a drunk from the get-go. Right. Um, I, I, you know, and I remember being young and somebody said, hey, why do you drink the way you do? And I was like, I'm sorry. It doesn't do for you what it does for me. Yep. Yep. Right? Like, this this stuff's just magic. Right. Right. It's just magic. I, I want to jump out of my skin most times, but when I drink this... Suddenly, I'm comfortable. I'm the most popular guy. I'm having a good time. And I didn't know anything was wrong with my life until I took a drink. And then I was like, whoa, this is what I've been missing. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is just perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> How long did you stay sober from 16? So 16 to 30, I was so- okay. sober. So basically 13 years. Okay, 13 years. Well, don't go anywhere because your sobriety is about to take a dip after 13 years, and I don't want anybody to miss it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Donnie Mosier, sitting here in studio with Matt today. Uh, Matt and I are here because of the Matthews Hope Detox. If you or a loved one have an issue, please give them a call at 844-AND-HOPE, and that's 844-263-4673. And don't forget www.mhdrp.org. Hey, if you get Heather on the phone, if you call into the detox and you get Heather, would you let her know I'm looking for her? I'd appreciate it. <laughs> so, all right. So anyways, Matt, so you got sober at 16 um, through an APG. That's correct. Uh, which is a alternative peer group. So it's a bunch of kids that are, uh, is it is it all alcoholics, drug addicts, or is it just troubled kids or? Uh, in theory, it was all alcoholics and drug addicts. Um there was a lot of troubled kids in there as mm-hmm. well. I mean, because that's the thing, right? So, the, and that's where alcoholism tends to mask itself like other things, and other things tend to mask themselves like alcoholism, like when you're young and in trouble. Um, yeah. You know, and so there was the kids who were just angry and mm-hmm. and just troublemakers. But there's a difference between that and a, and a real alcoholic, right? Yeah. And. So yeah, I so I sober up at sixteen. I I have you know I, I I do that APG for a little while. Um, I end up in a regular twelve step program. Um, had a large like kind of a white light spiritual awakening as the process of the twelve steps, and mm-hmm. it, was, um, it was profound to you. It was profound. I mean, I was driving down the highway one day, and I ended up I was crying and laughing at the same time. The radio was off, and it was the first time that I had ever really known what they meant by the word peace. Oh, wow. Right? I mean, it was it was huge. Yeah. Um, the dangerous thing about those is I spent the next seven years chasing another one <laughs> yeah. and, and couldn't reproduce it, right? right. Um, because if I'm not feeling it, it's not happening. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the, I had this, this, this God of feeling at peace, right? Like, that's yeah. what was manifested through that. And, um, and I had all these ideas about what an alcoholic was. Right. And then mm-hmm. and, and they were they were untrue ideas, but I didn't know that. Right? right. I mean, an alcoholic was a failure and somebody that, you know, lived under a bridge and just couldn't put anything together and their lives were in shambles. And some of that is true. As a result of alcoholism, but none of that makes you alcoholic. Right. right. Um, a lot of people get that mixed up. A lot of people don't understand that it doesn't really matter where I come from what I did when I was drinking, what I've lost, it's always down to those two questions, is that when I take a drink, do I have little to no control over the amount I'm going to take, and when I want to quit entirely, can I do it? Right, right. But we all want to talk about the outside. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. We're, we're outside people, man. <laughs> you <laughs> That's know what right. I mean? We just are. Um, and so, yeah, so I hit 30, right, and, and, and life's pretty good, and I've 13 years sober and I started a business and we land the largest contract that we, that was, I, we'd ever landed. I mean, it was this massive contract and all these other companies were competing for it and we end up landing it. And the architect for this deal shows up and says, Hey, you guys landed that contract. He has a case of beer and he's like, we need to celebrate. I was in San Antonio, Texas, 104 degrees outside. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. He's got this beer, and it's just sweating, you know. Um, And it was like, 
it was that like 64 calorie stuff. So I was like, oh, it's diet beer. It's not going <laughs> to like, you know. And I was like, I don't really drink. And he goes, yeah, but for a guy that doesn't drink, today's a good day to have one. And I was like, you are 100% right. That peculiar I, mental twist. I deserve this. Look at the deal that I've put together. Yeah. I am so far from being that guy drinking out of a paper bag under a bridge. And I drank a beer. Um, now, let me ask you this. Because I think it's a um, it's a big maybe misunderstanding. I, I hang out with a bunch of dudes from from church that will they'll have a drink and we'll have a cigar, and and the newer guys to the group when they find out I'm an alcoholic are like, hey, does this bother you? And I'm like, no, not at all. Like I'm not going to accidentally take a drink of that. That day, did you accidentally take a drink, or was there something leading up to that? That idea that mm-hmm. that alcoholics were failures, right, mm-hmm. and the more success that I had in the material world had started to play, okay, right, over and over and over. So it was lead, it was prior to the drink that Correct. had been it, it had been playing for a couple of years, <clears throat> yeah. But I didn't want to share that with anyone, right? So yep. the, so the dishonesty of what was really going on with me was at play too, right? Yeah. And so gradually, I became convinced that I wasn't that alcoholic. Yeah. Right? That I was a punk kid. Yeah. Had doing punk things at the age of 16 and that had nothing to do with alcoholism, right? Like and so I I was I there was this deal and so when when the ultimate success at least in my head, right? I had been chasing this for I had been working, you know, 6 days a week, 12-hour days. I mean, it was crazy for like 8 years. Mm-hmm. And so I'd reached that mountaintop. Yeah. Right? And so when the big book talks about every form of self-deception and experimentation to try and prove ourselves exceptions to the rule, um, that's what I had been living for the last couple of years, right? Like I was doing everything I could to not be alcoholic, right? but I had a bad definition of what alcoholism is. And so, yeah, I took a drink. It led you down the path to where the guy's like, hey, today's a good day, and you know what? You're right. You're right. I do deserve it, 100%. <clears throat> And so that led into some dishonesty, like you said, after that drink, you didn't drink for another six months, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and But it was just that seed had anybody. been planted and those yeah. roots were just growing, right? Yeah, and then one day it sprouted. And when it sprouted, it sprouted. And, and I just took off, right? The beautiful thing is, is that when I came in, so you are, you're 10 years sober, you're going on 11 in July. Correct. I'm nine. I'm going on 10 in April. So I came in kind of right behind you. <clears throat> and that group that we hung out with, I've heard all the stories. Right, right. That, you know, yours was the house that everybody hung out at, right? Yep. Come over for a barbecue. And then they'd come over and you're drinking. You'd be like, ah, I'm drinking now. And they're like, uh, oh, okay. Okay. Well, if they didn't know that I was drinking until about six hours in, <laughs> right? And then they were like, this dude goes to the bathroom every 12 minutes, you know, <laughs> and I had a water bottle of vodka hidden in there. And so I just, you know, you, <clears throat> hit that water bottle every time I went to the bathroom, allegedly. Well, I still love the way you hid your, <coughs> you love vodka and I love the way you hid your vodka. Oh, in the case of water. Yeah. So I would, when, when you've been sober and you start drinking again, you become convinced that like the AACIA is going to come raid your house, to find right? Me. They're just going to come dump everything out. And, yeah. I mean, I thought people were going through my trash can, <laughs> and I'm just drinking, right? There's not other things involved here, and I am full-blown just nuts. Yeah. Um, wrapping all my bottles and 
paper, you know, so the trash can doesn't clang when I wheel it out to the curb. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I would get a bottle of vodka, I'd pull a case of water out of the fridge, dump out the water bottles on the, the back, on the back, on the row, back right? row of the case, yeah. fill them up with vodka, and then push the whole case back in. So like no one knew <laughs> where it was. And, um, you, and, and I want everybody to know, he lived alone. Yeah, I lived alone, <laughs> you know. And, alone. and like I had punched a hole in the wall once, and so I hid a bottle of vodka in there and put a picture over it. So it's like hidden in the wall behind sheetrock. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was just, it was absolutely nuts, but it seemed completely normal at the time. Right. Completely normal, right. you know. And so this went on for two years, roughly. Basically, yeah, yeah, two years. When did, and I want to talk about it, I want to talk about when we get back, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll glaze through it, but when's, how sober when you, were you when the Darren incident happened? So I was trying to, so I drank heavily for a year, and mm-hmm. then I tried to start cleaning up my drinking for the next year and couldn't really put that together. So that was October of 2011. So it wasn't far from when you finally did sober up then. About Oh, wait, no, it was almost a year. Almost, well, yeah, it was about nine months yeah. um, from when I really sobered up. Um, yeah, and so I ended up in the hospital, cardiac arrest. And and, and so this is a guy, you're a guy that um, was sober 13 years, but then when he went back out, it, it's a crazy story to me that you were sober for 13 years, and then when you back, went back out, you couldn't come back in the rooms, and we see that a lot. So listen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Matt on Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Donnie Mosier. Uh, as I said, um, Heather's not here today. Um, we're, we're praying for her. She's, she's in the hospital. She's getting a surgery. She's having a, a soul implanted, Matt. She's going to get... Well, redheads don't have souls, so, so I mean, it'll help. We're hoping. Maybe she'll get some feelings along with it. I don't think so. I don't think there's any hope for that. But, you know, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and <laughs> prayers. We wish Heather was here. Uh, so we're doing this for the Matthews Hope Detox Recovery Program. Let's not forget, if you or a loved one is suffering from some sort of a substance use disorder, give them a call at 844-263-4673 or 844-AND-HOPE. All right, Matt, so when we left, uh, you are, after 13 years of sobriety, after, and as we know, the relapse starts long before the drink happens. Sure. And now you're back out and you're struggling to, to get sober again. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I really just thought that I just loved drinking um, and that had taken a whole new level of my life, right? Um, yeah. And, and it had gradually gotten worse and worse. And so one Sunday night, I was at home and I needed to get up early Monday morning, but I knew that probably wouldn't happen. And I was into, uh, my second handle of vodka for the day. And um, I'm watching Intervention, right? Like, (laughs) and and I don't know if, if just don't do that. Like drinking and Intervention, the show, don't mix well. It's not, it's not a good mixer. And they were talking about this guy and how bad off he was. And I was like, I'm worse off than him. And I just started bawling, just started bawling. Cause I didn't know that I was alcoholic. 
right? I really didn't. I, it hadn't I, sunk I, in after all that time. I, well, and, and, and drinking warps your mind, and um, alcoholism warps your mind, and, and you become convinced of your own lies, right? Like, that's just what you do. And right. I, and I just bought the lie. and um, So, yeah, I, and, and so I, I, I started going through all the different ideas of, of how to curb or control or do something about my drinking, right? Tried the beer experiment and tried just smoking pot. That didn't work. I mean, just all this stuff, right? Like just started going through the whole line of how am I going to do better, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Showing up at the the gas station at 7 a.m. or waiting for 7 a.m. to get beer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I told the lady I was going fishing. And she just looked at me, and she's like, it, it's still $10. <laughs> I hadn't showered in, like, three days. I got puke on my shirt, you know I mean? But just just stuck in that in that world and yeah. um, just cringe every time I would think about going back to a 12-step program, right? Like, I was I just like, do I don't want to do that. Yeah. And, um, and so, I, you know, when I tried going back, I would show up to these meetings, and, uh, you know, I was just like, everybody – Everybody, at least in my mind, I thought everybody was treating me like I was contagious, and so no one wanted to sit by me. Now, the truth is, when you're shaking and you don't smell good, people don't want to sit by you. You know, That is a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> but I didn't see it that way, you know? Right. Um, right. I felt like the leper in, in the 12-step program, right? Cause that, and that's what happens, right? Our minds just become so warped by this. And I was like, well, I don't belong here, and everybody here is just doing just fine, and I'm over here struggling, and I don't understand. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then, yeah, so, I, I, you know, and I would clean up for short periods of time, right? I did a detox. I did, I did a, a couple other little things, and so I'd clean up for like 30 days, and I'd be like, I got this. Everything's good. I don't need to do this. I can, I'm going to manage this drinking deal, and I'll, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to meetings all week, mm-hmm. and I'm going to drink on the weekends. How'd that work out? Well, the weekends get longer <laughs> is really the problem, right? And so during the week becomes Wednesday. <laughs> right. You know, and that's right. it. <laughs> you know, and so I'd spend Tuesday shaking it out and getting a little bit better. I'd show up Wednesday and tell everybody how good I was going to do. And Thursday was close enough to Friday. And Friday's basically the weekend. And and <clears throat> and so one day I was I was detoxing. And I'd, I'd done enough detox. So I went to... Uh, the pharmacy and got a blood pressure machine because I'm going to detox myself. Okay. Right? And so I go and get this blood pressure machine. But across the street, there's a liquor store. And I'm like, hey, if my blood pressure gets too high, I should get a bottle so that I can regulate my blood pressure. Got to bring it down. We're just going to taper off. Yeah. So I get home. I take my blood pressure. It's perfectly normal. So I take it again. It went up a point. One point, you know, so now I'm like, dude, it's happening. You know, you're going into full blown (laughs) cardiac arrest. (laughs) And so I took two shots of vodka, two. And then I went into my office to go do some work. And I don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened between then and there. Basically, I wake up in the hospital. And what had happened was a buddy of mine was driving down the road and got this nudge that he had to show up to my house. Like literally out of character, out of time. He would never come by there during the week. And never. all of a sudden he's down the road and all of a sudden the thought crosses his mind, I'm going to go check on Matt. Yep. Yep. Something in his gut said, I got to go to Matt's house. Now it's like three o'clock in the afternoon when he shows up to my house. And if I'm drinking, the doors are locked, right? Because I'm afraid of the, the CIA police. coming yeah. in, right? And uh, <clears throat> my front door is unlocked. He opens the door. 
sees me on the couch, and I'm gasping for air. And I'm, I don't, you know, the doctor said that it was reverse tolerance. My liver and kidneys weren't holding up too well. And um, he rushes me to the emergency room, a code. Yeah, so as soon as they get you checked in, they immediately put you in a room. Yeah. And as soon as you laid on the table, you coded. You, your heart stopped beating. Yes, wow. from my understanding. And then they shoot me full of adrenaline, I believe. They hit bring, you with the paddles. No, I don't. I don't even think they hit me with paddles. I think they just shot me with adrenaline or something. I I don't know. They they kicked my buddy out of the emergency room when I coded. So he walks in and he says, "I'm like straight up sober." He goes, "I don't know how that happened." Like ten seconds later, I'm just sober, and I'm talking to him about the baseball game, and he's like, "What is going on?" Well, the adrenaline wears off, and I code again. Wow. So they bring me back, and so that goes on. So you died twice. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, my heart quit beating. So yeah, that's, I mean that's that's, that's basically death. <laughs> that's not basically that's that's death. But the crazy thing <laughs> is, we leave there at one forty-five in the morning, and he's like, "Where are you going?" And I was like, "What do you mean, where am I going?" And he's like, "Well, am I taking you to the detox or rehab, or are you gonna go stay with somebody or this?" What time is it? He's like, it's one forty-five, and I was like, "Hey, if you step on it, we can make it to the bar." <laughs> and he's like, "What?" He's like, dude, do you know what just happened? I'm like, yeah. Do you know what's about to happen? You do you know how that. uncomfortable I am about to be? Right. Like, I can't handle this. And he's like, well, I can't handle this either. So here's all your stuff. He had I'm had out. Enough. I'm yeah. out. He's like, I, I love you, but I can't do this anymore. He goes, I don't even know what happened today. He goes, I don't even think I believed in God until today. I don't know how you're alive. Like, I don't understand the events. And I was there. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. Um And, and so, yeah, I mean, so. And for, for you, for somebody on the outside, for him, he's a, he's a normal guy. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah, he's not in the program. He doesn't, you know. For somebody like him, he does not understand that most people would say, hey, based on today, you should never drink again, and this should be no problem. But that's a consequence, and consequences don't really do anything for us. No, no. I mean, I wish they did. Right. right. You know. The first time I tried Copenhagen, I threw up, and I've never tried it since. Right. When I was 13 right. years old, you know? I mean, and the smell of it today still brings me to being behind the dumpster with my buddies dipping Copenhagen, you know? And I've never had to touch it again. People with peanut allergies, their throat swells shut one time. They never try it again. But if if you equate that peanut allergy to alcohol, here we are trying it in, in different forms. Well, if I just if I just put it with some mayo. Right, just, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why the allergy and the obsession gets should be beaten into everybody. Because that's yeah. the thing that changed for me, right? It's no longer about the guy under the bridge. That's Do right. you have the allergy? Do you have the obsession? Because if you have those two, nothing else matters. It takes yeah. all of that outside stuff away. It doesn't matter if you were uh, raised rich or poor. It doesn't matter. Like That's the thing about alcoholism. It doesn't care about your income. It doesn't care about who, what, what or who you were raised by, color of your skin. It doesn't matter. No, but we all think it does. Correct. Correct. And so I the allergy the and the obsession change everything. Yeah. It takes all of that away. Yeah. Right? And so when you become convinced or aware, it's probably a better term. Because when the awareness happens, then we move into acceptance. And if we yeah. move into acceptance, the action becomes so simple that it's, it's almost automatic. 
Yeah. It is almost automatic because you don't have a choice at that point, right? Like you, you've, you, you don't have any more games to play. So you don't have any more. Hey, if I can just get a comma in my bank account, if I can just get the new car, you know, all of that's gone. Right. And it's like the only thing I have left is to have this idea of a spiritual awakening, right? That's it. That's it. And so you start working from the inside out instead of from the outside in, because I've been an outside in guy my whole life. So with this situation, this hospital situation, how long was it from there until you would finally get sober and stay sober again? Well, I didn't take a drink for nine months. Okay. Like, but I was white knuckling it. I was trying my, I was trying hard, right? Mm-hmm. And I was doing everything I could do. Um, and so it took about nine months for me to really have that spiritual awakening, if you want to call it. All right. Well, don't go anywhere. We're going to come back with Matt here in just a minute on Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Donnie Mosier, sitting here with Matt today. Uh, let's not forget about Matthew's Hope Detox. If you have you or a loved one have a substance use disorder, please give them a call at 844-263-4673 or 844-AND-HOPE. Um, and I don't have an update on Heather. I was going to say something really like stupid or mean, but the truth of the matter is she's with Susan. So you guys remember Susan from last week. She found Susan, tracked her down, and she's beating the 12-step program into her right now. So that's good luck. Good luck for Heather. Good luck for Susan. I hope everything goes well. Matt, sober 13 years, relapsed for round two, died twice, wasn't the final sobriety date for you. Let's talk about that final sobriety. What did that look like when you finally... I don't know you, when that grace was given to you, because I don't know how else to explain it. I really don't. You know, I, I'd been struggling to, to put some type of time together, right? And yeah. so my my last relapse, I. So I had a weird thing. So I I didn't drink for nine months, but I couldn't stop going to the liquor store, because I couldn't bear the thought of not having something in there and so like at night like i'd pull a bottle out and just give it a hug really yeah it was bizarre <laughs> like really weird well, so you, know? you were just supporting just like, local business yeah and i'd give them away to bums and you know whatever but like but you couldn't stop the habit of buying it well no i couldn't bear the thought of going to bed without that 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 backup plan right yep. like yep. we talk about abandoning ourselves and and i couldn't abandon um and so I end up relapsing. I drink for like 24 hours straight and I go to the meeting and get home from the meeting and they have those chips. And I'm like, well, this is good for 24 hours. Yeah. And it's only 930. So I can go to the bar for a few <laughs> hours. So I do all that, you know. But what happened was I ended up calling my sponsor the next morning and I was like, hey, man, I drank. And he said, well, what's going on? And I was like, you want to know what's really going on? And I just dump it, right? I'm just like, dude, I'm struggling. I'm way too alcoholic for this program. This isn't going to work for me, and that's okay. I'm going to die, and I've made my peace with that. Now, had you said stuff like that to him before? No, I didn't even know that it was – I didn't want it to be true, right? Like, yeah. I just wanted to, like 
I just wanted to put something together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And be like, look, I'm doing it. I'm 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 managing this thing just fine, you know? And yeah. no, and I just kind of let them have it. And I was like, thank you for your time. I don't need your services anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um and and I'm sorry that it, it came down to this, but this is just the way it is. And 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 it's okay that this won't work for me. Yeah. Like that's okay. And I want you to know it's not your fault. It's just the way things are. Yeah. And his response was, you sound fantastic. <laughs> and I was like, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about, man. You guys have everything so backwards. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he goes, no, dude, you've never been able to be this honest. Yeah. And we've done these four steps and these inventories, and you've never, ever been able to just say who and what you really are. And for the first time, you surrendered to it and just said, here it is. And I don't think I knew who and what I really was, right? But that was the deal. I was like, look, I go to liquor store three times a week with tears in my eyes and, you know, all of this. Like, I can't handle this. I'm trying over here. You're you're getting asked if you're okay by homeless folk. Yeah, yeah. I was shaking one day so bad at a red light, (laughs) and there was a homeless guy, and I didn't have the energy to roll my window up and pretend to be busy. (laughs) And he... And he just kind of looked at me, and I looked at him, and I was like, hey, man, you doing all right? And he goes, are, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I don't know, but physically, I probably couldn't stand there and hold a sign right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought the guy was going to give me money or something, man. He was just like, man, this guy's in bad shape over here. And I was like, yeah, but I got two cars and a house, you know? And, right, right. I was like, yeah, that guy's doing better than you. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, though, from that point, from that conversation, though, that day with, with my sponsor. That surrender. It, my life took off like a rocket. I mean, just a rocket. It yeah. just exploded. Um, and it's it, it, You found the self-truth, you think? The, the truth is, is that there was no such thing as a power greater than my thinking. Mm-hmm. That's the truth, right? Like, that's where I struggled. I didn't have a problem with this idea of a higher power. I thought it was a great idea. You know, everybody should probably get one of those. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it was something that I was going to manage, right? It was like a cell phone. But I was going to put the apps that I wanted on it. Right. right? And I was going to put it together. Yeah. And And I was in charge of it. It was going to do what I thought it ought to do. Yeah. Right. I'm in the construction business. I'd tell it to not let it rain that day because there was concrete getting poured. You know, I mean, but that kind of an approach, yeah. right? And that shifted in in that conversation of like, your unmanageability is that no matter how big your bank account is, no matter mm-hmm. how many houses or cars or any of that stuff, girlfriend, any of that, you will go back to drinking right. because your life is so uncomfortable, sober. So in that moment, you realized I am a thousand percent going to drink again. And I've got, and I I know that I cannot do this. I need a power outside of me. Yeah. I mean, I used to joke about putting my next detox on layaway, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, because, because I I just assumed, right. Um, But there was a spiritual release, right. And book talks about their spiritual release, but we like to tell ourselves it wasn't so. Right. And that's, that's really been the, the, the the maybe the theme of my sobriety because all these things happen and I want to take credit for them. It's probably largely why I didn't use my last name on this show. 
Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. not because I'm afraid of people knowing about me. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of what I'm going to think about me because all of a sudden I'm going to think that I put some kind of deal together. You don't want to have egos as big as Heather and I anyway, trust me. You don't want to do that. Well, especially Heather's. I mean, I don't I know mean, if they whew. can reduce that, but. They can't. Yeah, I don't, I, the, the surgery's not going to work. It's going to be a failure. But no, but I mean, seriously, because it's really hard for a guy like me to not start taking credit. Correct. For, for what has happened in my life, yep. right? And all I really ever did correctly was fail. And, and let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about your life. So from that moment on, you worked the steps with your sponsor. You... Um, Started sponsoring guys like you did the things that we do in the program, the program. Like, so tell me about your life after that point. What does it look like over the last 10 years? You know, so the, yeah, yeah. So you go through the whole process, right? And like I said, the action gets pretty simple when you don't have anything else to do. You're just there. You're like, I'm broken. And the action gets real simple. Um, But I had all these old ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And most of it culminated in fear. Yeah. Right. I was never going to get married. You know why? Because who would want to marry a loser like me? Right. right? And anybody that does, I don't want anything to do with. Yeah. Right. And so in the inventory process, we become aware of the fear. And, and, And when we do, somehow we get pushed through that fear. And, and you literally, and we're running out of time, but I want to touch on this stuff. You literally couldn't get on a plane without Xanax. True. You're a pilot today. I'm a pilot today. You were never going to get married. Correct. You're married. Yeah. To an absolutely beautiful woman. Wonderful. You weren't. You weren't going to have kids. You were afraid of having kids. Like, and I remember talking to you about this on the phone for hours. Terrified. Terrified. You are one of the best fathers that I know. Yeah, I'm number three on the way, like, and, and it's and, been an absolute blessing. Like, and that's what I mean, though, because we sign ourselves up for the failure, right? Like yeah. we sign ourselves up to succumb to the fear. And when you can walk through that fear, a whole new world opens up that you that I just had assumed was not possible. Right. Right. And I become okay with that. Like it's okay that none of these things will happen. And today we're living and today, a dream. Yeah, and today they're they're there. Like we're they're happening and they're alive. Like this idea of a power mm-hmm. is real. Mm-hmm. It's alive and it really does exist. In spite of what I think. And we're living a life that I could have never imagined, living with actual joy. I never knew what that felt like, and and living a life that I don't feel like I deserve. Um, Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Donnie. I really appreciate it. Um, So I won't be here next week. I cannot continue to carry this show for Heather anymore. I'm going to need to take a week off, but you guys just, you know, be there for Heather. Don't forget that those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, though.